you very much. From the moment that I got the theme for this month and what I was supposed to talk about, I played every version of that song that I could find. And there are many versions of it. Some are slow and peaceful and some are kind of raucous and some are jazzy. So anytime you see that song, and I even printed out the words to it, and I thought, ah, I'm going to do something here. John Maxwell, who is a writer of religious materials, if you've taken any of the Unity classes, you may have run into books by John Maxwell and studied them. And he says that change is inevitable, but growth is optional. What speaks to, <laughs> what speaks to the nature of change. Now we know, as the song says, everything changes and it's inevitable. So if it's inevitable and things are going to change, why do we resist? Because we don't want to leave a spot that we feel we're comfortable in even though it may not be very comfortable, but it's what we know. So we go through this not wanting to change, and we put up resistance, and we want things to stay the same, no matter what. So my scripture for today is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, Romans 12, 2. And... As you know, I always talk about the 12 powers. So the power for this month is our power of power. And that sounds kind of silly, so they named it dominion. We have dominion over what we do. And as we know, each one has a place, uh, a location in the body assigned to it, and the one for power is our throat. So you ever find yourself kind of uh, choked up or you have a cough? And your horse, sometimes it manifests in hoarseness. And that is sometimes a sign of resistance. You know, we use our voice to stand up for us, for ourselves, and to stand up for others. And sometimes we get stuck uh, in that uh, position. So our color is purple, and the location is the throat, the back of the throat, or the voice box. So to affirm... I claim power now. I use power to control my thoughts, words, and feelings to master divine ideas. And principle number five is through thoughts, words, and actions. We live the truth we know. Now, this is just an aside, but I was in a workshop in Detroit last weekend, last Saturday, and Chad Groverlin, I don't know if you're all familiar with him, he is the new CEO of Unity. And he did the five principles in reverse order. So we started with number five and we went through. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, it took me long enough to learn them, one through five. Now i got to go five through one. Make five, number one. But anyway, that's just an aside, and it's an interesting uh, something to think about, but we are not going to do that today. That's a topic for another day. Louise Hay, how many of you remember Louise Hay? Oh, yeah, yeah. I had all, she was from, started in, out in the 80s, and I had all of her tapes and her music and her affirmations, and she had one called Opening Doors. And 
he would speak on these, he would do affirmations, and then there was a musician by the name of Joshua Lee. Now, I don't know where Joshua Lee is now. I didn't have time to look him up. But they would do these songs, and they had this little singing song, Chains and Opening Doors, Doors, Opening Doors, Opening Doors, Closing Doors. I am safe. And I'm like, what? I am safe. So all this going on, and I'm safe. But anyway, I would listen. I would listen to it over and over. And then the other day, I found that it's on a cassette, an old-fashioned thing called a cassette that these children don't know anything about. And I played it on my cassette player. Another thing that these children don't know anything about. And I went, well, yeah, that's, that's good, but I don't know about uh, being safe. So we have to learn to be safe when things are going on in our life. So to quote uh, David Foster Wallace, everything I ever let go of had marks all over it. And that's the resistance. We don't want to change. Now, it may be a pile of garbage that we're in, but that's comfortable somehow. And, you know, everybody does that. So a more effective way to deal with the change is to, and I loved her message last week, Karen Drucker. She says, be gentle with yourself. Now, Karen Drucker is my new hey, just to let you know. <laughs> so I listened to Karen Drucker a lot, and I just loved it when they said that she was going to be your speaker. And some awesomely awesome things happened to me this week. I don't know about you, but some awesomely awesome things did happen. Okay, the choice is ours. So we can work with it. We can continue to fight it. We can create anxiety within or face it and work to accept it. The change, the choice is ours. It's not easy, but it is possible. And we do have moments when we don't feel safe. So we have to go in, within, and ask for safety as we go through this. After we emerge from a process of change, we face a void. And this watch of mine, a phrase that was used right here in this space in 2014, when you welcomed your new minister, Reverend Jolene, and you talked about the void that had been left from the um, departure of Reverend Barbara Smith, her retirement, and then to the selection of your new minister. So now Reverend Yonla Van Zandt refers to this time as in the meantime, which is also the title of her book on the subject. The meantime is a time of anxious questioning, wondering, doubting, and impatience regarding what may be healed. I remember Laverne saying, well, we went through and we thought, well, maybe we don't need a minister. <laughs> you know, I remember her saying that. I have a good memory, and that's sometimes a double-edged sword. But anyway... Um, also, Ellen Devonport, who is the Vice President of Publishing at Unity School, wrote a book called In the Hallway. So in the hallway is that period of time in which you have let go of one thing or something has left, sometimes not voluntarily, but something has left. But then in the meantime or in the hallway, you're looking forward to what's in that next door. And you're standing outside and you're waiting. 
And you can relate this to if you have a job interview. You know, and you're waiting for the other person to complete their time, and then you go in to complete yours. Well, you don't know what's on the other side of that door. You don't know what they're going to say or what they're going to do. So we have to get used to that. The meantime, or in the hallway, is the time of work. It's the nine to five of our life to what we bring all that we have studied, learned, been told, understand, and recognize about ourselves and our life. It's a time of strengthening that knowledge so that it can work through us and for us. It's not an enemy. It's not your enemy. Change is not your enemy. And sometimes we treat it as though it is the enemy. No, just go away. Go away. I like things the way they are, even though you may not like things the way they are. But it's just that idea of knowing that it's there. So in the meantime, we land, we see it coming, we run frantically for a while. And then we finally say, okay, okay, I don't like it. But I'm willing to deal with it. And we know that willingness is the first step that we take. We have to be willing. I had a friend of mine who always says, I am willing to be willing to forgive. Or I am willing to be willing to whatever. So just that willingness is what we need in order to deal with change. Um, Willingness is a a character developing experience into a soul-enriching one or a soul-enhancing one. Being in the meantime means dealing with all the pieces of the experience that we don't like, but are at least willing to understand. So it begins with our willingness. Our power of understanding is another key, particularly in the meantime. The meantime is about pumping up the volume of love that we are willing to give and to receive. When we are in the midst of the meantime or in the hallway, it may appear that we are standing on shaky ground. You know, and sometimes I remember one uh, minister, uh, Reverend Johnny Coleman, she used to say, sometimes you have to have an earthquake in your life. You know, she did You have to shake things up. And isn't that true? Sometimes we do. And sometimes and it's not always we want that, but... After the shaking is over, we can look at what good came out of it. The meantime is grounded in truth. The truth of who we are, the truth about what we do, want, see, know, and don't know. In the midst of the meantime experience, there is the truth about our ability to recognize each of these things. The truth ultimately determines how we make it through whatever we're going through. In the meantime, we engage in a holy healing process that our soul is signed up for because we know at the deepest level, or should know, that love is the only way to get what we really want. In the meantime, we will have to work through our stuff. That's a nice way of putting it. Work through our stuff. Okay. So we are in the meantime. How do, know, how do you know if you're in the meantime? If you are confused, angry, disappointed, frustrated about something that has happened in life. You may have been fired, hope not, left, hope not, divorced, hope not, had surgery, or been released from prison. Not just a physical prison, but sometimes we have prison within our own minds. So 
things shake up and they have to change. You are in the meantime, if you feel anxious, numb, or just generally wiped out, you know, just so tired you can't get up and do anything. Now, if you're in rage, depression, seeking vengeance or revenge, if we are seeing red, black, or green at the thought of a particular person or situation, we are not in the meantime, we're in a valley. So bring yourself up out of that valley. The valley represents an extreme state of victimhood. And uh, Michael Beckwith talks about this a lot. It is a very different experience than being in the meantime. When in the meantime, we are hurt, but we are not blaming anyone else unless we are in the basement. We know that we are in the basement when we want to feel better by any means necessary. So where do you go from the basement? Nowhere but go but up. So we are willing to forgive and we are willing to acknowledge our past, our part in what happened. Because believe a little innocent us does have a part in what happened. And we look at that. And many programs teach us to look at that. When they were doing, um, I can't think of the name of the program right now, The Loving Course. The Loving Course taught us to do that. Dan Reeves, that she's here, or if she's watching, hi, Dan. They taught us in The Loving Course that we have, we play a role in what happens to us sometimes. You know, and that's not to be, to feel blame or anything or guilt. We are confused, but we have not pulled the covers up over our head, refusing to come out until someone or something has a said with God. In the meantime, we ask ourselves the question, what next? It's like you ask yourself the question, What's next? What's this new ministry going to be like? You know, how are we going to change and grow under this new person? So what is next? And this has turned out, from what I, my point of view, it seems like it was a wonderful experience. So remember to trust, trust the process. And remember unity principle number two, which was in his iteration of it last week. I don't remember which one it was. But anyway, we are worthy and can be trusted because we know what to do. Okay, so what do we do when navigating the change? In the meantime, in the hallway, support yourself. Not depend on someone else, but you can support yourself. You, we, I deserve a kind word, a good thought, a loving gesture every now and then. Give them to yourself. And Susan knows uh, Reverend Paulette. Reverend Paulette, for her 60th birthday, is going to treat herself every month to some new experience or to a new trip or to something that she's already wanted to do. So I would say that is an example of supporting yourself. Honor yourself. Stop criticizing, judging, denying, and second-guessing what you feel and who you are. Yesterday at the car wash, I went through the car wash, and I didn't do it exactly correctly, but I won't tell you what happened. <laughs> but I was so embarrassed, number one, and I felt stupid, and I started to beat up on myself. Wait a minute. Is the world going to end because you didn't exactly do it right? No. 
So I was able to leave there and go on about my business, although I'm not going back there. Okay. <laughs> no, you're not going to be pointing and laughing at me. So anyway, fortify yourself. Fortify yourself by getting lots of rest. Eat good, healthy food. Spend quiet time alone. And don't forget to have some fun. Because playing is a big part of the good life. So even when we're in this state of going from the uh, present to whatever is to come, you can still have some fun. So I'm sure Sergeant Paulette is going to have fun doing what she's doing. You know, and you can do that on a smaller level, too. You know, sometimes, uh, what a selfish thing to do. Take yourself out to lunch. I do it. <laughs> I take other people to lunch. Other people take me to lunch. That's one of the things that I enjoy. Commit yourself. Take some part of each day and use it to take one step toward accomplishing a daily, weekly, or monthly goal. Love yourself. Look in the mirror and say, I love you. And the first time you try this, you may cry. You know? I don't anymore because I've been doing it for so long. But love yourself. Go to the mirror and look in there and say, wow, I love you. You know, you beautiful, gorgeous creature on earth, child of God, I love you. You are the one that the world is waiting for. We are the ones that the world is waiting for. You are so precious, precious to life. You must make it a priority to let you yourself know that you are loved, needed, and wanted by God. You know that each of us plays a role. Each of us is a piece of the puzzle. So if you are missing, can the puzzle be complete? Breathe. Breathe through it. Reverend Paulette talks about breathing a lot. And I can just say through um, some traumatic experiences I've been through. I've been through a couple, believe it or not. And, um, what I did one day, and sometimes after it's all over and you think that, you may feel guilty or have some remorse or have some regret. And it's gone. You know, it is what it is. It's gone. But you may maybe feel that way. So whenever I start to feel that way, I take out a sheet of paper and I would write down all the beautiful things that happened since that change after I'd gone through it. So the people I'd met, I found unity, I found unity teaching, I went through and I did the, the licensed teacher program and the ministerial program, and all these wonderful things that happened. People that I met that I'm still friends with. I have a friend who was uh, living in San Francisco, and she had a shop on Fisherman's Wharf. And I got to work in that shop one week when I was out there visiting her. So that, and then we're still friends, and that's been since the 80s, but we are still friends. She has since relocated to Rochester, New York, and what we do every so often, every year or two, we meet each other halfway. And we have lunch, and we talk, and we have a good old time. The last time we went to this place that's been on PBS, that sells pies. So, you know, 
and had no business with the pie or the sugar. But anyway, it was good. <laughs> so we did that, and we continued to do it, and we stay in touch after all those years. I took classes, academic, and those geared toward transpersonal growth. I took Reiki. Uh, I took the, uh, the tapping. I did that for my own personal growth. And what I ended up doing is I used emotions on myself. Like this morning, I was a little, I had gotten up in the middle of the night, but sometimes I do that. And I would do something that I'm working on. So instead of laying here in the bed and not sleeping, get up and do something. So that's what I did. And then when I got back to bed, I still didn't sleep, wasn't, didn't go to sleep right away. So I did the Reiki and I did the tap. And I was able to calm down. And I was able to sleep until 6 o'clock, which is the normal time I get up anyway. So illness also changes things. I remember Palm Sunday. Uh, some of you know, you know what happened with my husband. And I had to go sleep someplace other than here. And when I got back home, I was looking for him. You know, where are you? you know, what did you do? Why are you hiding from me? And then I go in the living room, and he's under the dining room table. I go in the dining room, and he's under the dining room table. Passed out. So I had to call 911. We had to get him to the hospital. It took him a while to revive him. But he's okay now, and we're okay. And we're having to adjust to the changes that illness brings to people. You know, you can't run and jump and do the things that you used to do sometimes. Now, yesterday... He was on his head to go out and cut the grass. And I'm like, well, it's not going anywhere. You know, I don't think it is anyway. I've never seen the slide. No, no, i got to get out here and cut the grass. So the whole time I'm looking out the window making sure he's okay because I've never told him not to. That's not good either. So those are some of the things that you can do to help, to help yourself to go through change. Okay, I'm going to do uh, the spiritual practice now. Is that okay? <laughs> you can do the spiritual practice. How many of you are going through a change right now? And I know somebody in here is. Don't lie and say you're not. You know, everybody's going through a change. So pick one thing that you want to work on this week. How do you want to handle that change? And I used it, what they call in Toastmasters, the power of three. So I put, came up with three things. It took me a while to do that because three, I want to do 33. But anyway, we come up with three. So first of all, acknowledge it. Don't spiritual bypass. Do you know what spiritual bypassing is? Spiritual bypassing is a superficial way of glossing over problems in a way that might make us feel better in the short term. But then what's going to happen later on? It's going to come roaring back and hit you in the face. So no spiritual bypassing. It doesn't solve anything. It just leaves the problem to linger. It can sometimes be difficult to spot because it is often very subtle. I had a friend talk about a friend of hers who was a hoarder. And this friend would go through her house and, you know, things were everywhere. Not unlike mine, by the way. 
but I'm working on it. And she would walk by and she would say, divine order, divine order, divine order. It's all in divine order, divine order, divine order, divine order. And then when she got back, it was the same. So that's spiritual bypass. Okay? So accept, accept that you're going through something. You know, don't try to um, pretend it's not happening. That's not helpful. Okay, and affirm. Use your power of dominion, your power of power, to create affirmations around it and repeat them often. And above all, be gentle with yourself. You know, it stands up and says, I just love that song. I will be gentle with myself. I will only go as fast as the slowest part of me. Be gentle with yourself. So I hope that this is helpful. And I hope that you have a good time. I hope that you have benefit from doing this spiritual practice. And then we'll see what happens. Namaste and thank you very much.